House of Mysteries. This hotel seems to have quite a history, Mr. Gallagher. Who are you people? A research team with special powers. <gasps> My God. She's experiencing the past. Because we are all joined by our thoughts. <gasps> Has uncovered an ancient secret. I have something I want to show you. <laughs> Metaphysically speaking, I killed myself. <gasps> But they are playing with an evil force. What would you do with the power? You can't save her, Alex. They have given life to a deadly power. We're all in danger. And now a box of little toys. I think someone's in the room, Frank. Has become a gang of little terrors. Pinhead, Blade, Ms. Leach, Jester, and Tunneler. Welcome, everyone, to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. And those aren't the only two worlds colliding today, because I'm bringing together the Steve multiverse. It's all coming together in one nexus point, which is this episode, because I am joining forces with uh, my co-host from Puppet Masters Castle Freaks to talk about uh the one of the pretty much the only game that is going to cross that border like the only one that's going to step so outside that boundary uh so we will get to that in a moment i'm very excited but my name is steve guntling who else has joined me who am i puppeteering here today as we all stare awkwardly at each other <laughs> every uh, time hi. uh i am justin <laughs> hi justin and who's that over there with a the drill on her head uh i am jay van <laughs> Uh, we are also being uh, very happy to be joined today by uh, Jared Hornbeck from Puppet Masters Castle Freaks, from Talking Terrific Television, from generally just being a good dude. Thank you for uh, oh, coming thanks. out to talk about this today. Of course, man. And uh, don't mind me. I'm just over here uh, guarding and protecting Andre Toulon's magical artifacts. As you should be. It is your duty. Uh, for those of you who <laughs> haven't picked who up thought on they it, were guarding and protecting, we'll get to it later. I was doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the game didn't really explain itself very well. I, I should say, uh, what we're talking about today is a movie and a game called Puppet Master. Now, uh, that's kind of become the subject of our other podcast, not just the Puppet Master movies, but all of the films in the Full Moon catalog of films. Uh, and if you're not familiar with this uh, series of horror movies, it's basically just really low-budget, direct-to-video horror films that have all been masterminded or puppet-mastered in some way. 
uh, by a guy named Charles Band. Charles Band is a very important figure for our show and for this show today. He uh, was the founder of a film studio in the 80s called Empire Films International, and they became known for having a lot of kind of low-budget genre pictures that would do, like, okay in theaters, and then they would make a killing on the burgeoning home video market. So probably his best-known movie from that era was, like, Reanimator or From Beyond, movies like that. But there's there's a lot of movies like Ghoulies and stuff uh, that were uh, lower rent. All of these would play in theaters, but really all the big bucks were coming from VHS rentals. So when Empire Films collapsed in 1988 uh, and Charles Band was setting up his new company, he thought, let's cut out the middleman. Let's not even bother with the theatrical release anymore. Let's go just straight to video and we can uh, count on much steeper profits. So he partnered up with Paramount and he became uh, uh, Full Moon. Full Moon Features was born. They basically became the direct-to-video wing of Paramount Pictures. And Puppet Master was their very, very first movie uh, back in 1989. So this movie was uh, directed by David Schmoller, and it stars Paul Lamatt, William Hickey, Irene Miracle, Jimmy F. Skaggs, and features a cameo from our beloved Barbara Crampton, who comes up in many, many of our episodes. Um, so yeah, this was uh, a pretty huge deal for this particular market. There had been direct-to-video movies before this. I believe, uh, according to the internet, and the, the sources are not very consistent on this, the first direct-to-video movie was called Blood Cult, and it was just like an extremely low-rent uh, slasher movie that somebody shot on like a 1980s camcorder. You know, so you can imagine it looks great. Uh, the whole the plot is great. It's a fantastic film. Yeah, we could take around. this moment to differentiate between uh, shot on video and released straight to video because Puppet yeah. Master looks like a movie, whereas like it does. Yeah. Blood Blood Cult and Sledgehammer and all of those really early shot on video, uh, all of the. Um, Mark and John Polonia movies and uh, uh, Splatter Farm and uh, trash cans, trash cans of terror and all that stuff that was shot (laughs) on on video. Trash cans of terror? Yeah, man. We could do a whole podcast series just about trash cans of terror. Don't See, don't a... do do yourself and the listeners a favor and don't get me started on trash cans. Of terror. <laughs> <laughs> these are kind of these are basically the level of show of movies that we're talking about uh, over at Puppet Masters Castle Freaks and you you know so we're going through on that show every week we are doing a different either full moon or empire feature and we're uh, we're talking about it with a lot of great guests and uh, Puppet Master was the very first episode we did because it just feels like a natural place to start and plus we have. 14 of these things to go through 14 oh, and wow. probably counting. I imagine there's going to be more of them. Like I, I mean, full I, moon is still going and, and I wouldn't, going. I wouldn't be shocked if we get some other puppet master properties over the next few years. I so really, what, when was the last puppet master movie released? Oh, that it was, was like last year. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they, uh, they're still coming out all the time. Uh, the quality, Master. I will say, I mean, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen up through three. Uh, and from what I understand, the quality takes a pretty sharp dip after maybe part six or seven. Um, but wow, I will that's... say, like, the, the first three pretty solid. The third one is the best one that I've seen so far. It's actually, like, 
verges on a good movie. But this is a good point to transition over to J Justin and J-Man, because I'm curious what you guys thought of this movie and to hear your thoughts on it, because this is a, this is a pretty unconventional film for us to talk about in a lot of ways. And I imagine it's the first time for both of you? Yeah. Uh, no, I watched it when I was six. You did? Oh, amazing. I was yeah. going to say, I thought you guys had your own podcast about it, too. I thought that's what we were doing here. <laughs> yeah, we we both have podcasts specifically about this. Uh, yeah, I, I'm amazed to find out that this has a series that potentially rivals Friday the 13th in terms of quantity of movies. I don't know about quality Super of seeds. movies. Yeah, supersedes. Yeah, I've seen the same amount of Friday the 13th movies as you've seen of Puppet Master movies. Mm. So uh, I don't know what happens in the back half of this, but they go to Manhattan, they go to space, and a lot of shit apparently goes crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, when this movie first started, I was like, it felt like I was watching the opening to a soap opera almost. And I it, was like, <laughs> it has a little this? bit of that vibe. It's got that heavy synth music by Richard Band, where it's like, uh, yeah, it does definitely have that kind of soap opera -y sound to it, it. It reminded me of watching Days of Our Lives when I was a kid, which clearly was my mother watching Days of Our Lives and mm -hmm. me just going, I want to play with cars. Oh, uh, yeah. but like the hairstyles. What'd you say, Ooh, J Ben? Sure, you weren't you weren't playing hooky from school just to catch up. Uh, we, we had a VCR and a lot of blank tapes. So, uh, there was when, cause my mom also worked during the day. So this was like, throw the tape in, you know, oh, yeah. whenever. um, I, I did days of our lives too. That was my mom's soap. And, uh, most of the, most of the time I pretended I wasn't in it, but I did try to, uh, play hooky on the time when, uh, when Marlena got possessed by the devil, there was a whole arc of that where like one of the main <laughs> characters is possessed by Satan. I really wanted to see how that played out. She turned into a jaguar a couple of times. Mine, mine was, uh, mine was all my children. Oh, okay. And I so I, all my children. Yeah. So I wanted to see what, uh, Tad and Erica Kane were getting up into, uh, it, it, at that time. And I remember very much like, yeah, if I was homesick from school, it was like, I'm going to watch. I, I would always watch Regis and Kathy Lee also, mm. which was like weird, but like that. And then Price is Right. Price and then All right, My Children yeah. was like very, very much like I can almost like I can taste, you know, the tomato soup and the grilled cheese <laughs> right right now uh, si sitting in bed watching those things. But no, the, Justin, that's a, yeah. that's a pretty good point because we talked about this in our first episode. There's sort of. One of the cool things actually about the first few Puppet Master movies is that they they all kind of take on the feeling of a different genre of movie. And there is a lot of soft kind of soap opera lighting in this one. And it's shot by uh, Sergio Salvati, who is a DP for a ton of Lucio Fulci and a bunch of Italian movies. So it's got this sort of like soft kind of slick european look to it that the one the subsequent movies don't really have yeah but right. i can see why you would think that because it does have that soft soap opera lighting and it does kind of look like a soap early on so yeah and then also like the it's like the the style of acting that they all kind of have uh is also like it's a little bit on the like soap opera dramatic -y kind of 
um, without going full soap opera. They don't go full soap opera, but it comes close. Oh, no, they go while. full soap opera. Okay, look, I didn't want to. Uh, I'm sorry. Is that something I said? I'm, I'm just a nasty little bitch. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they they do have sex psychics in this movie. So, you know, that's is, pretty soap opera. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get this is there. easily the horniest movie we have we, we, done. It is the horniest oh, well, movie we've done. I'm glad to be a part uh, of it. Direct to, uh, uh, video release movie we've done. Yes, which is like I, I'm kind of breaking my own rules for the format of the show. I didn't want to go too much into direct to video stuff just and only because that would mean we're playing a lot of high school musical or or um, uh, direct video Disney games. sequels. Yeah, things like that. That's that's mostly what I was trying to avoid. I just wanted to make mm. an exception for this one because this was actually intended for a theatrical release. That's why it's it's got a little bit more of a budget. It's got a little bit more production value. Uh, but it it was ultimately decided to go straight to video, and it was it sold like gangbusters. I'm wondering, J-Ben, if you had the same experience that uh, Jared and I talk about it all the time about the video store experience of just kind of wandering mm -hmm. around reading all the boxes. Was this one of those movies for you? So, so for this movie, um, I had confused it with I think maybe one of the um, sequels uh, mm. because I was six when I watched whatever um, Puppet Master had scarred me for life um, because I, so I basically watched this movie and I, it was some subsequent puppet master. Cause it wasn't this one. Cause okay. I don't think this one could hold a child's attention. Um, this one's a little slow. I'll grant you that. Yeah. It, um, uh, but uh, I was so disturbed by whatever puppet master I watched that I was convinced that my dolls were going to come to life and um steal my soul uh, and i don't know if this like fused with my image of chucky because i also watched chucky mm. at the same age uh and um and so i got rid of all of my dolls and i loved this bear and i didn't want to get rid of my bear but i needed to know if he was alive so i burned him on a space heater oh no alive. Well, this sounds to me like you saw demonic toys <laughs> <laughs> Because we're Toy Story with the, with the bear, yeah, yeah, we're Toy Story. <laughs> the sequel in spirit, the demonic toys, or you, you know, you could have seen Stuart Gordon's dolls, or you could have seen uh, Dolly Dearest, which was that one with uh, Tasha Yar and someone else has, in it. Uh, I forget who the other. Yeah, he has a lot of he has a lot of tiny bear moves. But do you does this mean you have a teddy bear um, with like real marks on it? I don't have any dolls at the moment. I'm still skeptical. Of dolls like i <laughs> do not like when people buy them for me i'm just like i'm polite and i'm just like oh i'm not keeping this thing or i'm like shoving it in the closet because i'm just like very skeptical just so skeptical um i just like um they're, i just think they're creepy yeah um, I mean, and yeah, and especially when they're designed to be creepy. And it's not like most most kids' movies that have like dolls or toys that come to life or anything like that. Those are creepier than any of the ones in this one to me. But uh, when yeah, on the face of it, nearly all toys are creepy. They kind of are. Yeah, yeah. And I I think Toy Story has kind of warped our entire generation because we we assume they have inner lives. And you know, what if what if uh, they weren't loyal or happy? And what well, if they if didn't get here? Toy role? Story Toy Story is actually they're mean. They're mean to Sid. Just be, Sid doesn't know these animals, these these 
creatures are in um are animate no uh, and so they like torture sid um and like scar him for life um yeah. in toy story and that's what animate toys do yeah it's really weird because toy story i feel like yeah there there's a, a meanness to them to some of them but it is i i feel like besides toy story the the role of dolls in popular culture and like all facets of culture has just veered 100% into the creepy like i feel like there's you don't even see them in another context besides creepy it's like every doll that you see is like the likeness of like some little like victorian boarding house kid who is like killed by the governess yeah. or something yeah. and it's like they the talk. consumption <laughs> right yeah. and it's like they, they exist for no other reason other than there's, to be menacing there's something that i love about a little old lady who loves dolls because she's like fuck everyone like i don't care how creepy you think this is there's um this place called the women's federation here in austin and they have uh dances every thursday night and they have an entire room packed with creepy as fuck dolls um, and I was responsible for uh, shutting everything down when I was on the board of the um, the nonprofit uh, and it was so creepy going through the doll room and shutting off every single light that illuminated the dolls it was so creepy oh god Jesus Christ it was it's nightmare like a, fuel yeah it turns into Friday night at, at Freddy's and you're just like oh god <laughs> that, where'd this doll go why are you over here oh no did that move when i turned my head yeah jayban have you ever seen uh Stuart gordon's dolls i don't know i feel like i watched a bunch of these movies when i was so my parents would watch horror movies and they loved them and i would stand behind the couch and like hit the deck when they stood up and so I watched an obscene amount of horror movies when I was about six or seven because mm. I would stand behind their um, same. Um, and, and it was just like, and I feel like a lot of them just sort of mushed together sure. uh, in my memory. So maybe I've seen dolls because I, I have seen a lot of horror films, both when I was a child yeah. and when I'm an adult. Do you yeah. remember if there was a particular moment from that Puppet Master movie that scarred you? I'm curious if we can uh, figure out which one it is. Track um, down scary movie. <laughs> I think there were little pieces of brains. Oh yeah, that doesn't help. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that could be more specific. <laughs> yeah, that's in my closet right now. I, yeah. I as you guys work through your 14 Puppet Master movies, you're always going to be wondering: Is this the one that scarred Jade Pat for life? I mean, I, I'm trying to track it to like I'm, when you were, if you were six years old. Yeah, there's only so many it could have been. But yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm. Well, to give kind of a brief overview of the plot here, uh, which is way more complicated than you might think. And also, like I would say, largely disposed of by the next movie. They kind of like, this is a series of reboots a lot. Um, it starts in 1939 with an old man named Andre Toulon, played by William Hickey. Uh, you might know him as the mad scientist from Nightmare Before Christmas or uh, as the crotchety old man in uh, Christmas Vacation. Lots of Christmas stuff. Um, he's play he's Andre Toulon, the puppet master, and he is 
uh, being pursued by Nazis who want the secret that he possesses that allows his little puppet creations to come to life and do its master's will. But he kills himself before they have the chance to get that from him. Then we jump ahead 50 years and we're still in Bodega Bay, California, which is where uh, Hitchcock set a lot of movies like The Birds was set there and stuff like that. And uh, it's a bunch of psychics have convened on a hotel. To, uh, they're, they're trying to get to the bottom of the death of one of their kind of psychic uh, uh, collaborators, uh, fellowship. Yeah, what would you call that? I don't know. It's kind of like a, a book club for psychics. <laughs> But they I, was, I was gonna say this is kind of like the big chill but with puppets yeah there you go and there you go is they they were all also like <laughs> big chill people were likable um and uh, and you don't know they weren't puppeteering kevin costner in that casket you don't know uh yeah and that, that was the thing it's like they all have like a premonition and then they find out that he was dead and they were invited to his you know funeral or whatever this is um it's definitely not a funeral yeah and they, they all have kind of different spins on psychic powers so like one guy can see things in his nightmares one woman has just like premonitions she can see it to the future and then the other two are the horny psychics they're the ones that can tell they can pick up on like what was this like residual sexual energy in a room or something and then they just like get all horned up by it it's a weird it's, yeah the way that they explain it is that the the female of the couple the, the the lady has the ability to like feel memories of objects and like the history of an object but she just hones in on all the horny moments <laughs> yeah, she ignores like, everything else everything yeah he's like oh touches. look at this like 17th century heirloom and she's like oh yeah that's great but did you know that last week two people fucked on this bed <laughs> yeah it's like oh my god in the 1940s two women had a little tryst in this bathtub can, can uh, you please scan this murder weapon? We're trying to get to the bottom of something. Yeah, in a minute, in a minute. I'm in the shower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, look, I'm having a moment, and I need some time <laughs> to process this. You know, it's, it's it's of course, kind of part of the stock and trade of exploitation, like low-budget movies like this, to have your your decent amount of, like, sex and nudity just to kind of bring people in. I would say the full, the full moon movies are a little more reluctant to do these than a lot of other movies kind of of this ilk. But sorry, what were we saying, Jimmy? Yeah, but it was really funny because, like, in traditional horror movies, you have, like, flashes of nudity. They really, like, relax. Like, they really just relaxed into the shots of yeah. nudity and sex. Like, it was just an extended, like, extended bathroom scene. Yeah. Extended sex scene. It was just, like, they were very leisurely paced about yeah. it as opposed to uh a little bit of titillation uh and then Get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, yeah. Ben, i can't <laughs> wait for you to meet a little man named david dakota <laughs> <laughs> oh boy it, it the interesting thing to me was just how absolutely like dramatic she was about all of it too yeah, uh, to the point of where like her partner thought she was in danger. She's like, "Are you okay?" And then she's like, "Oh yes, <laughs> there's two women in here." And he's like, "Oh, tell me more." And like, if this was not consensual, two partners, this would have been the creepiest thing ever to watch. Yeah, but I one. Always... Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just thinking the the rest of the plot, like like this makes it sound a lot seedier than it is, just because there is like this big chunk where two psychics are just boning down. And but <clears throat> the rest of this, <clears throat> excuse me, the rest of the movie's kind of going for almost like an Agatha Christie vibe, like a closed room mystery until the puppets show up and they start murdering people. But like, yeah, that's that's kind of the weird vibe that this one is starting to strike. Like it's trying to be. It feels like it's trying to be a little classier than it maybe is. And that's that's where I got like the soap opera feel. That's one of the things that that's gave the me the soap, soap opera, opera thing, feel, yeah. which was like they were being very like prim and proper. Uh, the hairstyles were great. Um, <laughs> so that's the word you use. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm, I am so curious about how Paul Lamatt, uh, our lead actor here, achieved that hair in this movie. Uh, it, it is... It is simultaneously lush and receding. It is it is both like <laughs> it is it is coming in uh, stronger than ever and going away at an alarming rate. Like it's hard to pin that down. Yeah, I mean, like, only Buffalo Bill is the only person, other person <laughs> yeah. I can think of with the same uh, issue g- yeah. going on there. I for with for whatever reason. Uh, the word bouffant comes to mind. I don't sure, even know what yeah. that word means. No, you're using it right. I think, I think it's right? a yeah, hair-related yeah. thing. Well, there's something that goes on during this time period. Uh, is like they basically have professors of anthropology, and I studied anthropology, so I always think it's hilarious when they have these like, "I'm a sexy professor, hair flip, uh, I'm smoldering." <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, that is not what an anthropologist looks like. Um, well well, that's news to me and disappointing frankly (laughs) (laughs) so there goes all my anthropology based slash fiction yeah i i was gonna take an anthropology class just to like meet people but now i don't know withdraw turn me off on that one yeah i think indiana jones did had a similar effect on the paleontology field too yeah No one's painting their eyelids for that guy. I was just going to say, I love you. Oh, that's right. He is an archaeologist. I screwed that up. If he was a paleontologist, it would have been a very different movie. Let's say, okay, how about Laura Dern in Jurassic Park ruined paleontology? There we go. There we go. There we go. (laughs) And Sam Neill, too. Why not? Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I I, still to this day, like I've I've read about this movie i've uh, discussed it on multiple podcasts i still have a little hard time following the plot of this movie and i think it's because it gets really saggy in the middle um and it's kind of not until the puppets start enacting their chaos that the movie starts to sort of pick up and and have a little fun and we get a fun little roster of little uh, puppets that are going to be the characters throughout the rest of the series so our featured character i think probably the face of the franchise is blade uh, he's a little white puppet with a black hat and trench coat, and he has a knife for one hand and a hook for another. And just in case you missed the the metaphor, he has blade eyes too, which I don't think those eyes are going to do anything. Like they're too no, they're small. They're definitely not like, functional. Yeah. Yeah, and you need to be real close, and it's kind of recessed into his head, so they're not really doing anything. But the blades on his hands are doing fine. I so. There are a couple of things that, so they do try to do a mystery sort of vibe, which I think I got really annoyed with because they, like, in my personal opinion, they didn't have fair play. I feel like they should have shown all the puppets that were going to exist uh, in the opening. Like, I would have liked it. Like, I don't even think they show Blade's blade. They show his hook. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think that they show Blade's blade. You're like, is this a... A, a kindly old man. Why did he make pup make, make blade the puppet? Why did he make screw top 
or the drill dude uh, yeah. in the le leech vomiting? Like, how is that a puppet power? Um, That's just magic. Yeah, the leech vomiting is very gross. Like, yeah, and, uh, the studio hated the leech woman and made him uh, kill her off in the next movie, but she does eventually come back. Um, yeah, because she's pretty gross. Yeah, there's not a lot of logic to it. Like, and and you're that's a good point. Like, there was never a point where we get to like see the puppets by themselves, and they're like, oh, what weird puppets! Like, and they're not like observing the fact that they um, might come to life or anything like that. Like, they're just kind of living in the hotel and just sort of like living in the walls, you know. Yeah. And, and the series does go into a lot more detail about who these puppets are and where they come from and how they they came to be this way. But this movie is really not very interested in any of that origin stuff. They're very I, interested in psychics and psychic powers. <laughs> and which, like, yeah, which really doesn't become a thing. The thing, okay, the weird thing that the puppet master seizes on from here on out is Nazis. Uh, it's becoming more and more like about, I think starting with part three, they go, it's a flashback to World War II. And then from kind of from then on, it's just lots and lots of Nazi content. Um, mm -hmm. Which is fun if you like seeing little puppets killing Nazis, which who doesn't? Um, but yeah, the, yeah, the psychic thing is really not followed up on, and I don't think any of the characters outside of Toulon appear in the later episodes, right, Jaron? Uh, human characters besides yeah. Toulon? Um, yeah, yeah. You, uh, so I'm only a little bit further than you are. I'm only through part five. And I'm going to say the answer is no to that through part five. Yeah. But I can't speak for the 47 that remain after that. <laughs> That's true. They may bring back. Yeah. I don't know what Paul Lamat's doing these days. He might, he might yeah. need a paycheck, but. But that's a good point that uh, uh, J Ban made there is that it's, it reminds me a lot in a lot of ways of like the first Friday the 13th mm. because you get this mystery that's not a mystery because. The person who is responsible isn't, isn't a suspect until they're revealed as being the killer. And so it's just a very sort of Scooby-Doo way to write something where, you know, they pull the mask off and all of a sudden it's a character you've never seen before. And so I do agree that like the puppet introduction earlier would make it make would make sort of like why they're targeting certain people or how they're killing people a little bit telegraphed and maybe a little bit easier to to understand and not seem quite so random but also as you move on and through the series one of the big changes not unlike Friday the 13th is that the puppets essentially the, the puppets do become who you start rooting for. So yeah. you you mentioned that the people aren't likable, and that's gonna that's going to magnify even as the series goes on because the puppets are going to become the good guys. <laughs> like seemingly like two movies from now, essentially. I mean, yeah. I would even argue kind of in part two as well. But yeah, de yeah, definitely start... in part three. Yeah, this is this is the only time they're really like unsympathetic, like little monsters, you know. Um, but it's it's really all depending on who's controlling them. And oh, even sorry. then, oh, sorry, go ahead, Justin. No, you you started first. I was so sad when the fortune teller died because I feel like she had the most juice. Like, oh yeah, like it's just like it was. I, I thought the main the protagonist guy was so lame. He was so like I understand. I read about him. He's won Golden Globes. I don't know what he was doing in this movie. He was so underacting. Um, uh, he was acting it for his paycheck. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul, Paul Lamette, best known from American Graffiti and uh, gave a genuinely excellent performance in the movie Melvin and Howard, which is an early Jonathan Demme film uh, that, that he's truly fantastic in. But yeah, by the end of the 80s, it seemed like his career was struggling a little bit. Yeah, and, he's uh, sleep- sleepwalking a little bit through this movie, especially compared to some uh, i feel like the energy he's not matching the energy of some of the other people he's not matching yes. irene miracle he's not matching uh jimmy f skaggs as gallagher yeah well sure. he's he's matching gallagher before the resurrection uh, <laughs> he's definitely yeah like sure. i remember he... now like we have the intro to the movie with the puppets and then we have an immediate cut to four different people having psychic visions and going hey uh our old friend must have found something let's go track him down because he hasn't talked to us in years and figure out what he found out when they get there they find out that he he's dead and they're they like well shit pick up a phone yeah mm-hmm. uh they- um, so then they just look if you have psychic powers you don't bother with a phone bill all right and then You're just that's a that's god gave you a way around that <laughs> once you get there and you find out that your friend is dead uh and also owned a hotel with his wife they just like hang out and stay there for a night and like or two and just like live they like nothing happens other than like they're they're like low-key trying to figure out what uh what their friend found because they're assuming he found something yeah. and that's why he ditched them for so long. But it's not like a detective movie. It's literally just the only people who try to find anything are the psychic sex detectives. And the other two characters are just kind of hanging out. Yeah. A little just bit. walking I mean, the halls. And that's kind of what I mean when I compare it to Agatha Christie. Like it's, it's, they are all trapped in this one space, What's supposed to be one night. It's a bunch of disparate, like, uh people from different walks of life and they're all supposed to be solving one central mystery but the central mystery isn't really apparent to them because we get the sense that like this guy has been meddling with the dark arts and might come back to life or something like that they don't really have any way of knowing that so they are just kind of living in the place and becoming victims and i think a weakness like where i mentioned in a mystery you should have fair play Mm -hmm. in a magic based universe you should have fair play the fortune teller uh, had a vision. She warned the lady about being, uh, but she also was going through like doing incense, doing a, a chicken claw that cuts somebody's hand. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. which I, like, if this is a world where magic exists, why doesn't her magic precautions do anything? Like, yeah. I would have liked to have seen the puppets overcome her magical precautions. Yeah. Um, of of the four main characters, three of them die all right next to each other like at the same time different places in the house and they're all kind of anticlimactic it's just like oh was there something wrestling over there teehee we're busy up in the bed and then they (laughs) both get killed um and it's like there was no fight there was no struggle it was just we watched puppets kill some people and it's like kind of like in friday the 13th at the beginning where it's like oh you know that's just people but nobody knows what's happening like none of them know that the other people died because they're all dying like at the same time in different parts of the house and so we don't get to see any interesting things happen we don't get to see how the puppets respond to anything uh we just see the main like the other main characters die and then the one guy go oh shit 
where is everyone? I don't know. And then finds them all dead with the guy mystery mm -hmm. solved. And they're well, like, it was so interesting going back to the beginning. I really liked the puppet cam and in the initial puppet cam in the opening, they had a sense of humor, like the guy, like, and then later on, uh, which I imagine is definitely borne out in the sequels is having more of a sense of humor about it. And then it, all of a sudden the puppets become very serious mid uh, and they're super murderous. Uh, and again, leeches don't kill people. Um, like, These ones do. What uh, if you had 500 leeches? Would that kill you? Eventually. I, I, I just think it, it, it's also really funny because this guy is so horny and he's literally dying being sucked to death. And <laughs> by a puppet. By a puppet. Um, uh, and it, like he couldn't tell the difference between a human mouth and a puppet mouth. Yeah. Initially. Yeah, does <laughs> she have like a really small mouth or something? Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm just like, dude, dude, dude. About sex. It's like <laughs> she was he was getting it on with a woman and then a bird came and started pecking at him and he's just like, Oh yes. I thought I knew you were just playing around and joking. Uh and everyone's just like, What? You don't notice the fact that there's no weight on the bed anywhere. He's blindfolded during this. Well, we well this is like one of the that's but... like one of the biggest tropes because it, my the to me the most egregious of all of these is in I think it's in Halloween five where the like one of the guys is dressed up as Michael Myers on his way to like a Halloween party and he gets in the car and his girlfriend starts like sucking on his hand, like his hand and his thumb and like is trying like kissing him on the mouth and I'm like, oh, or on the mask. And I'm like, this dude like must smell like shit. <laughs> like, He's a foot taller than your boyfriend. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's always one of those things that happens in horror movies. Like the killer kind of finds his way into a situation like that. And the person can't tell that, that, that another person is there, despite the fact that, yeah, this guy has been uh, wearing the same jumpsuit for, uh, you know, in the beginning of part five, he lived underground for a year with a homeless man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. He's he's, he's not going to yeah. be smelling great. But I think um, with Puppet Master, one of the things that you know there there is a lot that you could nitpick about the role of the humans in the movie and this and that. And I think in our first episode, Steve and I talked a lot about how really what you're paying price of admission for here is the David Allen stop motion and then the rod puppet work in the yeah. movie which really like that's that's your that that's what you're here for and i feel like there are moments when when that stuff lands and it's like all right that's why i'm watching this movie like, that's, I, that's, I that's really, why I'm here. yeah no i i still to this day i really like the designs themselves of the puppets and i like this idea of bringing together kind of a group of horror monsters that all have distinct abilities and can kind of like you know they're they're little but they can swarm on you uh you that, know, so we'll call it, them the x boys exactly <laughs> that was honestly my favorite part of the movie was uh one it was a wide variety of puppets and i actually f discovered that some of these were just old puppets that they used for the film yeah uh, they weren't like created for the film they just like found a few of these hanging around but then the actual like puppet work uh 
was great, especially since this movie came out what year? 1989. Yeah. yeah. These effects were done by a guy uh, named Dave Allen. He did a lot of stop motion work for a ton of different movies. And he's an interesting guy because uh, he spent most of his life working on his kind of magnum opus, which was this stop motion horror adventure film called The Primevals. But he died in 1999, uh, pretty young. And so he was never able to finish it. But a couple of people, Charles Band and a couple of other people, have been uh, trying to raise the funding to finish the movie out for him. And I think they finally did finish it, and I believe it's going wide next year. Um, so we are it's, actually going to get to see the primeval. It's been playing in, uh, at festivals and cons mm. and stuff now. So it is, it is finished. But I do think, yeah, I think the goal is wide. I think, um, and probably next year, because I think like it was in, I, they, they had it. I was talking to Michael Gingold recently, and he was saying that uh, he saw it up at, um, Fantasia up in uh, Toronto. Oh, Montreal. Oh, yeah. Or in Montre- yeah. Or yeah. Is it Montreal. Montreal or in Montreal? Pretty sure it's he, Montreal. He saw it. Yeah. And he said that it was uh, a lot of fun. And then Kevin Lane, who we did our episode with on the Ghoulies one, which uh, dropped a couple weeks ago, he uh, he saw it also and did a panel with Charles Band. So it's uh, there for for people to see at conventions and, and festivals and stuff. But I, I do think a wide release, which is really noticeable for a full moon feature because even subspecies five got that nice little theatrical run in alamo draft house but not a wide release yeah 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 got kind of a specialty release but but yeah i mean we do get a nice variety like uh, the other the other puppets we didn't mention were uh, pinhead who's like a big strong guy with a tiny head and human hands so he's like the swedish chef uh we have tunneler (laughs) who's got like a drill on his head who is like that was always my favorite design, but I think he's kind of useless as a puppet, uh, which will or as a as a killing machine. We can talk about that later. There's the leech woman, and then there's Jester, and Jester never really. So far, we're three movies in. Jester's been in all of them, and he hasn't really done anything. But his face flips around, and it's that's cool. You know, that's good for uh, him. He's like the some moral like morals as opposed to the other puppet jester had like some moral had a moral arc in the kind of yeah uh and i really liked jester's moral arc he's like oh no we're bad puppets <laughs> uh want to bring it back just a little bit to to david allen uh he worked on willow our famous infamous whatever lost podcast our, our lost episode yeah yeah i think he did some jurassic park stuff i think he did uh yeah he he did a lot of um stop motion he was the best and he it's always like noticeable like if you're watching one of these movies and you're like oh wow that special effect looked really good for this budget it's like that's dave allen yeah that's uh, you can, and nine times out of ten it's him Everybody, mm-hmm. I think most people uh, near our ages have probably seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids at some point. Yes, um, absolutely. He, he worked on that, too, as the, the puppeteer. Written by um, reanimators, student, Stuart Gordon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah we've talked about cool. that movie a lot. It's got a lot of DNA with um, uh, a <laughs> lot of horror with the horror world, weirdly. Um, but yeah, yeah. And so that honestly, it's this movie doesn't make me excited about this movie it makes me more excited about what they do with the puppets after this movie because presumably they'll play a bigger role and in this movie they didn't really do much there's the opening shot then they kill the three people uh which is interesting and then the ending of the movie is when they actually all come in and you get to see them like 
doing things besides just like you're totally murder. right justin yeah. and in part two and part three you'll get uh the addition in each movie of one new awesome puppet design um each one better than the last and to you get a really nice cast of characters i mean having played the game you probably have some exposure to some of these guys but like you have like your your basic lineup in the first movie and it's like all right we've got some decent uh some different powers here uh and, and they can do some cool stuff but yeah i think i can totally understand someone watching this and being like i like the seeds of what's here and i'm hoping that with you know bigger budgets although that's not necessarily the case but with well, they uh, got a little bigger yeah as things move from the 80s into the 90s Maybe we'll 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 get more less a focus on the narrative beats of something and more a highlight of the the puppets and special effects and and you do and then that's when you get something like Puppet Master Three, which is kind of the best of both worlds, where it actually manages to tell a good a good story while also giving you some incredible new puppet designs and a lot for them to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by the time you get even to Puppet Master 2, it's clear that they're taking those notes because it's more puppet carnage, like right from the get go. And it's structured more like a Universal Monsters movie more than like a soap opera or a mystery movie. Uh, okay. So, you know, you get that that one's it, it gets progressively more fun before it falls off the cliff. But uh, yeah, and I would actually genuinely recommend Puppet Master 3 almost as a good place to start because it is a prequel. And it is kind of resetting the timeline resetting the the whole arc of Toulon and making him more of like a uh, like a tragic anti-hero rather than a, a weird old guy who possessed puppets you know like yeah because that was the thing is we don't we don't get to know like is this intended to be an evil uh art is this yeah i think they start that way and then it's not the way it continues yeah, yeah. we definitely know that gallagher the the friend who died i think neil gallagher he was not intending to use them for good no uh he he was being in fact he was trying to get rid of them because he'd learned how to puppet people and that was his next maneuver was he was going to go puppet people now because technically i guess he was puppeting himself i don't really know exactly I, how he came back to life or was his missus the one who killed him and puppeting everyone that's honestly to be my understanding because like we see her at the end and she brings the dog back to life so like i think that's the implication is that she had the power all along but we never see oh, her again so like, I, I saw the puppet i saw <laughs> the dog move and i just assumed that she had learned something from like she had found it too but now man this is this is a whole different lens that they didn't really pursue very well. See, in the this movie. movie has layers, I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't Gents. know, it's so interesting from like this, um, like this perspective of is she puppeting? Is she, like he claimed to be the puppet master, but they ended up killing him. So how could he have been the puppet master? Right. If he instead, maybe he was a puppet who had gone ro rogue um or if this was all some kind of weird creepy elaborate setup by her could have been yeah yeah no it, it leaves a lot of these threads dangling i mean like uh, like you said i think there's the good foundation of a movie or of a, a franchise here but like 
for as popular as this was and for how much it established the series, I don't know that this is anybody's favorite, favorite one. You it, know, I, th- yeah, I think most people tend to prefer one of the sequels. And it felt like they were setting up a sequel, but a direct sequel. And that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, because, again, like we show her at the, the very last scene is her basically puppeting this dog. And uh, I think that would have been an interesting second movie was seeing like, oh, okay, she was the bad person when she forced her husband to kill himself. That is when uh, the detectives got notified and then they all came in and she was killing them because she knew that they could potentially figure her out. Yeah. But like none of that was in any way touched on or mentioned if that was what the intent was. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And they, they don't really pick up that thread and they have a, they have a tendency to do that. Like a puppet master two ends on a thread that they don't pick up either. Uh, you know, like Charles band really fancies himself as kind of like a horror Stanley. Like he really worships Stanley and like the whole Marvel comics model. So his movies are kind of like one big interconnected universe. You know, they have crossovers with Puppet Master and Demonic Toys and Ginger Dead Man and guys like that. You know, like they have all these crossovers and he would include these little video documentaries at the end of every VHS tape that he called the video zone where he would come out like Stan Lee would at the end of every comic book and just say, hey, it's me, the, the producer. And this is what we've got coming up. And this is how this movie was made. And, you know, hawking some merchandise, you know, so. He's a he's a huckster and a showman in that same kind of way, but also like early comic books, uh, they don't always follow through on some of the ideas that they put out there. I think it's really interesting. The puppets are so iconic, uh, and I think that's something that um, really shows um, from what I've heard and what I've read of the sequels is that these puppets maintain, especially Blade. Uh, yeah. Uh, Blade becomes this whole like tiny serial killer puppet uh, but it, it's so interesting to see how iconic uh, that the puppets became yeah no he, he definitely did get to become kind of like a, a, a horror movie icon for a bit you know I don't know that too many people will remember have seen this movie but I imagine if you show them a picture of that puppet, they'll know that, oh, yeah, it's from that Puppet Master movie or something like that. Yeah, and he doesn't get the the treatment. So he has a couple of really fun scenes in this movie, but it's in the next movie where you'll get probably the seminal blade scene yeah and and it's and it's awesome. It's so like it, it just makes me appreciate the design of the puppet so much more. Like here you get him kind of popping up in the top of the elevator shaft and look you know like peering around corners and you get a couple of the little like uh puppet pov running shots w- with him but uh yeah in puppet master 2 uh, we get what i what is considered i think by a lot of people fans of the 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 franchise to be kind of the best the most iconic blade moment but i think that is true we've watched a lot of these movies with a lot of little tiny monsters and stuff in them already. And I think that one of the things about Puppet Master that they did really well right from the get-go is they had really distinct puppets. Like And like we said before, that have sort of one quality that stands out about them. And I, I love that. It's like you can't confuse Blade and Tunneler and you can't confuse no. yeah. uh, Pinhead and, and Jester and you can't confuse anybody with Leech Woman. 
No. So for instance, <laughs> when when we watched Gremlins uh, and Gremlins Two, we watched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I struggled. Gremlins Two did a better job of it, but I struggled with differentiating between the Gremlins. Um, and then, like you said, this movie, yeah, they're all incredibly distinct. You're never having that moment of, wait, which one is this? You're like, I don't know if I know its name, but I definitely distinctly know which one this is. And I um, think that might actually be a great point to transition to the game, because I think one of the strengths of the game is that it is picking up on all those differences and distinct natures of each of those puppets and uh, uh, applying it to a gameplay style that like lets you to mix things up and like play to your strengths and play the different levels that you want. Uh, did we have anything else about the movie before we move to the game? Um, I, I would just say, sorry, I would just say that if you're somebody who watched this movie, let's say in preparation for this episode and had never seen anything else and you felt sort of the same way, like, oh, it's kind of slow, it's kind of soggy, kind of drags, it's like the puppets are cool, but they don't not given a ton to do. I would say definitely like don't let that discourage you and definitely actively seek out the next couple movies. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying sit through the entire series, but definitely yeah, some of them get pretty rough, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Two two and three heard you and they saw what you put in the suggestion box and they course corrected. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any idea what they made on home video? Because I was looking I was looking for a number and I couldn't find yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say because uh, uh, the the numbers are a little unreliable, and Charles Band himself is a bit of a fabulist, so it's hard to <laughs> sure. take his word for it exactly. Um, I know this is not the most successful movie that they did. Nah. Uh, the most successful movie they did was for a label of children's uh, direct-to-video entertainment called Moonbeam Entertainment. They directed a movie called Prehysteria about tiny little dinosaurs. And that is far and away the most successful thing they've ever done. And they said they made something like like $50 million on VHS sales with that movie. Um, but this one was up there. And this one did prove the concept. It said like, okay, yeah, this has legs. People are renting this. We can just keep making these movies and cranking out once a month and uh, you know, having all these little bonus features. So it took them for a long time. And the company is still going today. So uh, in some form. like it's, I would argue it's a pretty diminished form now than what it was at its heyday, but uh, it's still going and still still plugging away. So yeah, I mean, that's runway off of this. It's reported that it had a four hundred thousand dollar budget, and it definitely made, I'm gonna say, into at least the double digits of millions. Yeah. So if you're making your money back, um, you know, at four hundred thousand to four million to four million would be ten times. Maybe you're making your money back fifty times. I mean. It's, I mean, it's enough of we, a return on investment that Paramount felt good about being Full Moon's video or having Full Moon be their uh, straight-to-video distribu distribution for five years. I think it was one of the 10 highest or one of the 10 most rented videos of 1989. And that was kind of at the year when video was really like hitting its stride and everybody had a VCR all of a sudden. So um you know, you could you can make a solid bet that uh, there's a lot of castles bought off of this movie. Um, <laughs> Charles Band bought a castle. It's a whole thing. Look, honestly, if I ever and I've I think I've mentioned this once before to at least one of you, uh, if I ever get rich, I'm buying or building a castle. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I want a castle. He got a lot of legs out so of that cool. castle. Let me tell you. 
Um, uh, well, let's move on to talk about the game. So the game is uh, similar to our movie last week. This is a very recent game. I think Texas Chainsaw is slightly more recent than this game. But technically, this one is still an open beta, so it hasn't had a quote-unquote full release yet. But that those lines get very squishy anyway. Uh, but this came out in March of uh, 2023. It's made by a company called October Games. And it's available only on Steam right now. So this started as a fan project back in 2014, I believe. Uh, October Games, kind of, they were known for uh, a multiplayer shooter called, like, uh, I forget what it's called, like Horror Terror or something like that. Like, I, I forget the name of it. But uh, they had a little small indie game, and they made this one with all these Puppet Master skins. And then they got the official license from Full Moon and started getting rolled out on Steam. Um, so the version that we played is after a fairly recent update where they added uh, a couple new characters and they added a few new game modes. But similarly to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what we're playing here is an asymmetrical horror shooter game, essentially, or horror competitive co-op game uh, where one, one team will take control of the humans and one team will take control of the puppets. And you run around in settings from the movies and you try and take each other out. And this game is unique for us because this is the first time we've all tried to play online. We're actually all recording remotely right now. And we were all trying to play online from our own homes. And none of us are particularly adept at that. I guess, Justin, you play online more oh, than yeah. any of the rest of us. <laughs> uh, um, so you you could troubleshoot it a little bit for us. But yeah. I don't play games online hardly ever um, because I usually find the environment to be very toxic. And I will say this right off the bat, that did not seem to be the case. I did a trial run where I played an online match just against whatever stranger I could find. And uh, the person that I found, uh, I told him it was my first time playing. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, uh, hop on into the game. Let's do one-on-one -on -one and I'll show you some of the ropes. And he, he walked around and he told me exactly what I needed to do. And then he let me kill him a few times so I could build up my XP and then use that to like buy some perks for my character. So that's the nicest anybody has ever been to me in a video game and that was super cool so i appreciate you username guar i hope you're affiliated with the band guar because you were very nice <laughs> um it's odorous it's odorous arungus <laughs> yes uh but yeah so that was my early experience but yeah i think we we took a little time to get things set up and then we actually played each other online so i'm curious about what your guys experience was with this yeah i just want to throw in uh it's it's definitely the game is a little on the rough side in terms of like polish it feels kind of like uh for people who would be familiar playing like a gary's mod game mode um which there's a lot of very fun ones and this one wasn't bad but it's there's definitely room for it to go yeah and with it still being in early access uh it should potentially get better but i don't know how much effort they're going to put into it um but uh i thought it was fun and cute i thought that the game design was decent uh it runs in unity so there's a lot of improvements that they can make if they want to okay. um but uh the we found each other in a match very easily uh you just create a lobby put a password on it kind of old school but it works and, uh, and, and yeah, we were we were struggling with the idea of matchmaking in Texas Chainsaw, and that wasn't it was a different thing because this time we had specific players that yes. we were inviting, yeah. but we we struggled you trying to find players. When Justin, you made fun of me last week when I was like, they should have an AI bot, and this 
This one does. It has it a nice I wasn't making fun of you. I was just saying, like, I I agree. However, <laughs> it's the studio's decision to spend that money, and a big studio like that is less likely to spend the money. However, it did appear that there was only AI for the the human team. Yeah. Uh, in the game mode that we played, that would have used hmm. an AI. And then Which the other fine, one because I I really only wanted to play puppets, but Jaben, you were the only one who played with I the did. human. And, and I how... got to play the fortune teller, and I got to rewrite the movie to get her to win and to escape, um... <laughs> and to shoot puppets with a shotgun. Which, when I saw <laughs> that happening, I was like, "Wait, she has a shotgun!" And Who's... then, boom, Steve was I dead. Love the shotgun uh but when i read i was so annoyed because i had found a luger pistol but i had the shotgun so i didn't want to um put the shotgun down to pick up the luger and uh i was like after my shot i ran out of shotgun shells i couldn't remember where the luger was um, mm -hmm. yeah so i was really i was like damn it and i kept running around to all the bathrooms trying to find the luger um but i i i, I it was it was gone in the ether yeah, yeah um, the... but you were a surgeon with that shotgun anyway, so you 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 took me out a lot. I like, I had pretty good with shotguns. You're uh, pretty good. Uh, so the the modes, <clears throat> the two modes that we played, the first one is called thief mode, and that's basically kind of the main mode of the game, and that's it's sort of a spin on the same asymmetrical uh, gameplay that we had in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The one difference being. In most of these asymmetrical games, it's like one hulking monster versus a bunch of innocent victims. This time, it's one normal person versus three little monsters who are like a little underpowered comparatively, but uh, working together and swarming, then they can do some damage. And the human character is trying to steal Toulon's secrets to eternal life, and the puppets are just trying to stop him. And Pretty basic. I loved, uh, in that mode, I loved how we could play the puppets, and if our puppet persona died we could tap back in as another puppet yeah um, i really liked there it was a little the the power differential was substantial between the puppets and the human which i thought was uh, i really liked that touch because we had to we had to work real hard to kill that human uh, yeah, yeah and like the human could kick us could shoot us well and, yeah and then you're rendered ragdoll yeah yes yeah. And which is a nice little feature, yeah. To point yeah. out, in addition to that, uh, we were playing against a human AI, not a human player. Yeah. So the 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 human being the team uh, or the type of person, and so we presumably the AI is worse at the game than a real person would be. If we were playing that against a real person, that would have been a very interesting match. Um, however, it it just turned into us beating on them until they died. Well, see, that uh, yeah. would be unless you were playing against a person like me, where I would just be mashing buttons together, seeing what <laughs> happens, which was my strategy for when I played all video games when I was young. And it yeah, really bothered my friends who took time to learn how to play Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat correctly. Now, you were saying you, you have not actually played a video game in a long time. Um, I'm going to say something. People are going to think that I'm being facetious and I'm not. Uh, jumping on to check out the Puppet Master game here was the first time that I actively sat down and played a video game uh, since I, I've, I've occasionally like at a friend's house. It's like, oh, we're going to play this like baseball game. Mm. Uh, do you want to play like a sports like Mario Kart or something? Or, yeah. No, not even not even Mario oh, wow. Kart. I, 
I have not played a video game proper since uh, I was about 12 and had a Sega Genesis. Perfect. Oh, you know, man. that's a good note to leave it on, honestly. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, what I, but what I liked about this was that when you played in the mo, I, I liked that you had the choice. I liked the fact that you could go in and it could be a team of puppets against one human. And I just, you know, I was watching bl- like Blade run around and uh, just going right after like slicing at people's Achilles like he's uh, Miko Hughes. And yeah, just like, in that cemetery. Yeah, and just like take you know take taking people out that way. There was some fun little things. I, I appreciate the fact that the the puppets made night little like Howard Dean noises when they like <laughs> got knocked down and jumped back up again. There were like touches to it, and I and I thought there was an attention to detail that I that I liked. And now we did. I well myself speaking for myself, I didn't really get to explore too much in in this regard but you were talking before about like uh an attention to detail or you're not sure what people are going to attempt to add to the game to improve it as it goes on Steve, maybe you know better than i do like when we were talking to nat bremer Mm -hmm. about the with the puppet master two three he was mentioning having worked on story writing for this game correct yes yeah so uh nat bremer who he wrote uh, the book on this series called the complete puppet master's guide and he came on our show to talk about uh, puppet master two and three great guy he worked on this game he got to write the backstories for a lot of these characters that didn't have uh origin stories before this so basically when you like scroll over the character and like it gives you the background on him, that's some of the stuff he wrote. I don't know if they're planning on doing a full like story-based single-player mode. I kind of doubt it just based on the budget that they have. Um, I think they want to keep this as like a multiplayer game. But yeah, he did do some writing on this and he established some backstory for a lot of these characters that didn't have any before. Yeah, and he, so, he, yeah he, he fleshed out the, the actual Toulon's journals because he was saying that he got to kind of like actually retcon the character and add add details that weren't there before and sort of like write the story himself which i thought was pretty cool and it was was fun to see that because i can see uh you know i could see my biggest takeaway and i guess this is sort of like the conceit of your your show in a way is like would somebody who's a fan of this property be a fan of the game yeah, and I, I think in this instance, probably I think there is a lot would. here to please fans of the series. It appears it's, anyway from my limited time checking it out. To throw in uh, some additional information on that, there is actually a little single player mode uh, from what I've my little bit of research has found, um, where you play as the puppets trying to recover the lost pages of Toulon's diary. And, and, and as pages, near as I can tell, it's just it's just the multiplayer mode, but just like one on one, you're playing against an AI bot. Yeah, and it sounded similar to that. I obviously I haven't played it because we only played the multiplayer, but that the the diary pages actually have content on them, and mm-hmm. that was additionally that's what uh, Nap Remmer was writing was yes. those pages. Yes, um, that's right. And so it's like. As it stands now, it's a fun game to like play on occasion with some friends, but it's not it's missing a, enough going on to be like something to play often. Yeah, um, you know, but, it's it's an indie production. It's definitely a low yes, budget production, but uh, uh I I did find myself enjoying the little limited time that we were having 
with the, with this game. Like, and uh, with there's the other multiplayer mode, which was the um, protecting the statues, where like uh, the puppets are supposed to protect the statues, and the humans are supposed to destroy it with the help of their little ravager totems. And so that wound up being a two on one with you guys picking on me mm-hmm. as the sole puppet. And uh, absolutely wailing on me. <laughs> yeah, so I think it, for it being a two-on-one, having the most experienced person that plays video games in our group be part of the two was rough for Steve. <laughs> but in addition to that, uh, at the beginning, I thought me and J-Ban were the defenders. So we were just seeking out and destroying Steve as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And eventually Steve's like, let's get this going. You guys should probably attack the totem or the, the thing, the totem things. And I'm like, I thought that was your job. This, what do you this, mean? This, this whole time I haven't been preventing you from doing this? I've just been randomly attacking you? This is another like old man yelling at clouds kind of complaint, but like that's my big problem with a lot of online games is that like you just kind of need to know how to play it. Like they're not really going to bother explaining it to you. You're just going to drop you in and you just need to kind of know. And that's where I think maybe a little bit more polish uh, in the sense of like if we had like a little objective thing up at the top, like small text just saying like I say small, but like text that you can read saying like, uh, you know, attackers uh capture the totems or whatever and then that would have been enough to make us figure out what was supposed to happen there but But speaking of the totem and the decapitron we're getting into puppet master four and five territory now let me tell you is that what the totems are from yeah okay i was doing some solid work with the decapitron uh that was my favorite of the puppets because uh similar to in the in the movies uh they all are distinct they have distinct abilities, distinct stuff. Like yeah. some of them have melee attacks, some of them have ranged attacks, but then they all have abilities that are fairly different. So Decapitron, you take your head off and then you replace it with a different head and now you have a different set of abilities. Um, and that can take cool you from idea. being like a melee to ranged. Um, some of the puppets jump higher than other puppets do um there's a lot of fun little things i only played a handful of the puppets and a few of the totems but every single one of them was a distinctly different play style Mm -hmm. there was one of them that was like had almost no health and you just ran in and smacked until they killed you and then you came back to something else there was another one that was kind of a bit tankier uh but still reasonably agile and then Mm -hmm. there's some of the ranged ones that differ um so they definitely put thought and time and into that and that I think is definitely the game's strong point. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I I hope uh, going forward that these characters are going to get a little more balanced because, yes. like right now, there's no good reason to play as Tunneler. Tunneler does not really have a ranged attack. He's got two moves, which is kneel down and drill, which does run out, and then he's got a little sprint action where he can like kind of close the gap between him, and he does a lot of damage if you catch up. But it's a little difficult to catch up, and I feel like feel like Tunneler kind of got the short end of that when everyone else has a pretty diverse skill set. But uh, Blade was my guy, Six Shooter was my guy. You know, like I, I had a lot of fun with those guys. Uh, Jester is surprisingly useful. He's got yeah a knife or darts or like a syringe. Like he's got a lot of different options. I think the syringe might be to heal. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we definitely did. <laughs> we were definitely in full on offense mode. We were not. Uh, coordination was on the low point until we were playing the 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 three team mode, uh, but I feel like 
it has the foundations of something with some more polish, some more detail. Uh, could definitely be a solid, fun game. Kind of like uh, people to this day are still playing things like Trouble in Terrorist Town and uh, like Gary's Mod Murder. All And these are all game modes in just Gary's Mod where it's like somebody just slapped this together and it's enough to be fun. Um, yeah. And so uh, hopefully they, they pull it off in a good direction and uh, people play it and people enjoy it. Um, I, yeah, th this seems to have an audience. It seems to have like some some dedicated players, and uh, there there wasn't too much problem finding uh, people to play with when I was going solo or uh, going online. So, yeah, I think there's there's um, there's some good potential here. I think I hope that they can keep like kind of raising money and uh, increasing the level of polish that they have here, because much like the first Puppet Master movie, there's a lot of good seeds here, and I kind of want to see them develop and want to see what they turn into. Yeah, they, they also have like a little system uh, of like pickups. So for the human character, you can find weapons uh, for the puppets. You can find like health and stuff. And so that's also like a fun little thing. Um, it definitely has some juice to go with, but it just needs uh, a little more built into it to, to make it that level of like Among Us or something where it's a, a fun indie game that has enough like playability and replayability that you can get friends together on a weekend and be like all right hey let's let's play a few rounds mix the teams stuff like that so yeah yeah i could see it um do we have any final things to say about uh, puppet master either the movie or the game before we move on to our rankings um i, I was good? just gonna say that like the one good thing about it in terms of making a game based on a property like this is that Puppet Master has become such a brand name more than it is a film. So mm -hmm. like this, you know, we watched the first movie, but really when you're looking at a Puppet Master game now, it's kind of all encompassing uh, lots of different aspects of the franchise. And I like that about it because it's Puppet Master in name, but you can have, you know, pu puppets from any of these number of these things from down the line just joining in it doesn't necessarily have to stick to the the rules of let's say like the that the first movie created and so I, yeah. I like that about it is that as the movies continue to presumably continue to be made um you know eventually there there could be puppet designs that show up in some subsequent films that you know are, are brand new or in production now or come out next year or the year after or the year, year after that and could be adapted into this puppet master as this kind of brand name is is cool because it's like people are less concerned about it sticking to any sort of continuity to one movie it's like we just want we just want puppets we want to play we want to be them we want to fight humans we want to do fun stuff and and I, I and i think that they're set up to be able to do that and have it grow within staying under the umbrella of puppet master but not being uh married too much to having to stick to one concept yeah. yeah, and they do say on their website that their plans for the future of the game is new characters, skins, levels, and game modes to keep things fresh and exciting. So hopefully that kind of is what we're envisioning. Um, I don't think this is going to be like a worldwide hit, but for people who like the game, for people who like these types of games, this could definitely be something that uh, that stays in kind of like a rotation. Every once in a while we pick it up, play it. Um, and it is it relatively 
streamlined when you compare it to something like Texas Chainsaw or the JSON game. You know, it is it is pretty simple to use and pretty basic. You know, so that that could have a lot of appeal, I think. Yeah, it also uh, the hardware requirements for it are a low to medium the capable computer from 2010. Yeah, and so with the way things have evolved since then, like. I feel like this is something that could run on like even some of the more basic laptops. Uh, it's not very demanding. The requirements are a processor from, I think, 2010 uh, that was considered to be decent at the time. But now we've so far outclassed it. Uh, yeah. So anybody can play this game. Um, it's free. That was yeah. the thing. I remember if we mentioned that. Um, so, yeah. Well, check it out. Well, let's move on to our rankings then. Each week we are deciding if the movie and game we played rank uh, from the scale of good movie, good game to bad movie, bad game, and anywhere in between. Uh, let's start with Justin today. Justin, where are you coming down on this one? Yeah, uh, I, I would say uh, in terms of the movie, I think it was a, a fun movie. I think I trend more towards like the neutral, not necessarily bad, but I wouldn't consider it to be like a super great movie. Um and I think I'd put for the game uh, good slash fun, but with an asterisk of uh, it's it's still in early access. They haven't reached the full vision of the game. And uh, so it if they do that well, I think it'll be a fun, good game. But uh, otherwise, the way it is now, it's a little bit lackluster. But OK, well, Jaben, how about you? I'm a little controversial. I'm going to say a bad movie with promise. Mm -hmm. um, it <laughs> has there. the seeds of a good movie. It's entertaining. Uh, but I just think that like it, it's soggy. It's like it's like really wet cornflakes. Just like um, the bath scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I really I think good game because I had a blast, like especially playing as a human and running around and kicking puppets uh and trying not to die was really fun uh and i uh we got to play quite a bit uh compared to texas chainsaw where we were just waiting 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 and uh, -huh. uh and it's just like and i'm i love co-op games so teaming up with justin to kick your ass was, <laughs> uh, was so much fun like i love living the dream yeah dreams uh yeah i think i'm gonna come down on a you know a, a soft good game or good movie you know it's a it's a movie i like but i do know that the franchise gets better and more interesting from from here but i still think there is something about this movie that it's trying to it, it's aiming a little higher than it needs to and it's uh, succeeding more often than it's not so uh, i'm gonna give him points for that and I'm going to call this a good game. I actually enjoyed it. I, I played this when it very first came out, and I thought it was pretty rough, and I was having a hard time with it. But it's definitely grown a lot, even just over the last couple of months. Like, checking back in with it after the latest update is a pretty different experience. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's fun to just kind of, like, jump online and wail on people with tiny little puppets. So, you know, definitely a low-budget affair, but it's uh, it's got its heart in the right place, and I think it's got a lot of potential. Um. Jared, do you want to do an honorary yeah. ranking? Sure, yeah. I, I I kind of follow the same place as you, Steve. I mean, the, the first Puppet Master movie, I think, is a. It's obviously an incredibly important movie for Full Moon. It's incredibly important to our whole endeavor of what we're doing on our show. Uh, it's not my favorite of the Puppet Master movies, but I have respect for it and I I enjoy it. 
Uh, I think it is successful in a lot of things it tries to do, less successful in other ways. Uh, so I would fall somewhere like between, you know, I would call this like a decent movie more than mm -hmm. I would call it a good movie. Yeah. As far as the game goes, um, I would have to f err kind of on the side that it appears to me, although I don't really have the qualifications to judge something being a good game or not as it stands now, but it it got me interested in possibly jumping on the computer at some point and like you said, Steve, just uh, wailing on some people as little puppets seems yeah. pretty appealing. So pretty <laughs> it, did, it, it did its job for, for me in terms of the user interface and, and how it looked and uh, character designs in it. I was impressed by and I, I thought it looked super fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm airing that. I think it's probably has potential. It's probably like like Justin said, a little rough right now, but has potential to maybe turn into a legitimately good game and so uh that that's that's where i fall on it but please listeners take what i say with a grain of salt because <laughs> i'm very qualified to talk about the movie and the other movies that steve and i talk about on our show but uh you got me here on something where i i felt sort of like i was uh i i don't know what i i was like a uh um like a dune buggy that was trying to navigate its way through like a river like i so, was just in the so wrong awesome is what you're I was saying in the like, wrong sounds terrain. like a fun adventure yeah. yeah well we appreciate you coming out either way man it's it was great to have you on and it's great no, to I, uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate uh, it. merge the podcast worlds um you can hear both of us on puppet masters castle freaks every single week i believe the week you're hearing this uh, it's the same day that our episode uh, on Shrunken Heads is coming out, and that's the awesome. one where we we talk with the New York Times bestselling author Grady Hendrix, who comes on the show and talks all about that absolutely batshit insane movie. Uh, definitely recommend checking out Shrunken Heads if you uh, want to see something absolutely insane. And Grady was an amazing guy and uh, oh, really yeah. fun to talk to. And yeah, we've got a whole bunch of fun stuff in October, just like here on Cinema Arcade. We have a whole bunch of fun stuff in October we're going to be continuing our streak of horror movies next week. And we're going to be talking about another fairly obscure one from the late 80s. Uh, this is a movie called Warlock. This one came out in 1991, but it was shot in 88, shelved for a long time. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun, magical, uh, uh, evil witch kind of uh, uh, energy to it. I've only seen this movie once. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Uh, still cannot believe there's a video game based on Warlock, oh, but you're we're going to play it. It's not a Western film? No, it turns out, Justin, it's not a 1959 <laughs> Western film with the same name. I got confused on what movie we were doing this week, and I started watching <laughs> the wrong Warlock movie, so <laughs> joke's on me. It's uh, quite different than the Henry Fonda movie that you were watching. I, I was pulling up our chat to see what year the movie was released just to mm -hmm. make sure i had the right one because like wait a minute this is definitely the wrong movie i yeah. don't know how i watched 45 minutes of this without realizing there's <laughs> nothing fantastical or horror-y about it and this is horror movie month you're like and no it's building to something right that's when i remembered right this isn't the this week's movie anyway so hey. Yeah, R.I.P. Well, Julian Sands, too. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah, that's that's one of the sadder legacies attached to this movie. But um, 
I'm still looking forward to talking about it. So everybody uh, tune in next week to hear about Warlock as our horror movie month continues. And thank you to Justin and J-Ban once again for coming along on this wacky little journey with me, uh, full of full of murderous puppets. Yeah, and if you hear drill sounds underneath your bed, uh, don't investigate. Nah. Call for help. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'll I'll be in a sexual psychic stupor at that point anyway. But either way, I'll 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 call for help. All right, y'all. See you later. Bye. Adios.